Welcome back, Chase Lounge readers. I'm Anna Lynch, and I am the creator of Change, the Chase Lounge newsletter. I look forward to speaking with each of you every Thursday. This week, we'll take a look at a few big stories, including the sexual harassment scandal brewing at Harvard and the criminalization of eating a poppy seed muffin while pregnant. As always, if you like what you read here, please like and share. Hot off the presses. Senate passes bill outlawing forced arbitration agreements. This afternoon, the Senate approved a bill that ends the practice of forced arbitration for claims of sexual harassment and abuse claims. Introduced by Senators Kirsten Gillibrand and Lindsey Graham and supported by former Fox News anchor Gretchen Carlson, the bill allows those who have been harassed or abused to directly sue individuals and companies without having to go to arbitration forcing those who have been harassed and assaulted to relive the experience through arbitration is re-traumatizing and flat-out unfair. The bill does not, however, eliminate non-disclosure agreements. That's a fight for another day. In education, Harvard drops the ball on sexual harassment. A bombshell sexual harassment lawsuit dropped this week against Harvard University and a tenured professor there, John Komaroff. The complaint by three female graduate students outlines how Harvard ignored their reports of sexual harassment and the professor's retaliation towards students who did report him that took place over many years. The complaint is a disturbing read, and it is hard to understand how Harvard never completed a Title IX investigation. The university completed its own investigation once the harassment was reported in the student newspaper, the Harvard Crimson but concluded that the professor was not to blame. As part of the report, the school obtained one of the women's psychotherapy notes and published them as part of the report, a completely unethical act. This appears to be a situation where power trumps ethics. We will see if the lawsuit changes anything. Second time is the charm in UCLA sexual harassment suit. Kristen Glasgow, a former graduate student at UCLA filed a Title IX complaint against Professor Gabriel Pitterberg, which was ignored. Then, in 2015, she sued the university and received $110,000 and monetary support for her fellowship, but Pitterberg remained on the faculty. While she appreciated the funds, Glasgow wanted Pitterberg punished. When a new Title IX director was hired in 2016, Glasgow filed a new complaint, and this time she won. UCLA announced that Pitterberg had violated their sexual harassment policies and would be fired and unable to work in UC system again or to obtain any of its privileges. This is a milestone win for those using the Title IX system to out harassers and has them face the consequences of that harassment. Kudos to Ms. Glasgow for being willing to go through the process in the interest of making an example of Mr. Pitterberg. Are you listening, Harvard? In health, Congresswomen propose bill for FEMA support of breastfeeding during disasters. Representatives Lauren Underwood and Tammy Duckworth have proposed the demand bill, which directs FEMA to provide breast milk pumps and other lactation supports as part of their emergency services during natural disasters. Because water supplies are sometimes damaged or cut off during disasters, 
baby formula may be difficult or impossible to use. Those who are already breastfeeding may lose access to their personal pumps during a disaster. FEMA should consider the needs of new mothers and their babies as paramount when they plan for disaster relief. Let's hope Congress agrees. Pregnant women are subjected to inaccurate, non-consensual drug testing leading to separation from their newborns. Two women are suing Garnet Health Medical Center in Middletown, New York for giving them non-consensual drug tests and then reporting their false positive results to Child Protective Services. The women were prevented from breastfeeding their babies for days and their homes were searched by CPS while they were in the hospital. Both the babies tested negative. Both women had consumed products containing poppy seeds shortly before going in the hospital. The hospital was using urine screening tests that are sensitive to poppy seeds. Additionally, the hospital used opiate testing thresholds far lower than the levels that federal government uses for workplace testing. The federal government raised this threshold more than 20 years ago because of false pos positives, especially from poppy seeds. The women asked to be retested, but the hospital waited two or three days before doing so, leading to incredible stress on these women and their newborns. And these two women are not the only victims of hospitals using outdated tests or standards. A quick Google search turns up many similar cases. As we enter pol a political period where the policing of women's behavior and reproductive ac activity is heightened, more and more women will face questions about their behavior in the interest of, quote-unquote, the children. And you can bet that those most likely to get caught in this web will be those who have the least resources. When women are afraid to access health care because they are afraid of being accused of doing something wrong, we end up with an even higher maternal mortality rate. A recent paper in the Maternal and Child Health Journal discusses the issue in depth, concluding that, quote, this double marginalization of pregnant patients limits their autonomy and unduly exposes them to the criminal legal system. Given disparities in prenatal drug screening, black pregnant patients are at greater risk of such double jeopardy, unquote. Given that the United States is already one of the worst developed countries for maternal mortality, the last thing we need to be doing is discouraging pregnant people from accessing health care. In economics, Adidas unveils daring advertisement. If you are a regular reader of this newsletter, then you may recall a previous article discussing the bans that Facebook has put on advertisement for women's health products. Any mention of the word vagina or products that look suspect to their algorithms or minders are blocked. Adidas shared the advertisement below on Wednesday on Twitter to a lot of differing opinions. For you listeners, if you haven't seen it yet, I advise you to look it up. It's a grid of different of photos of different types of breasts. Some thought it indecent, while others reveled in the body positivity messaging. To me, it is a clinical series of photos, and I see nothing wrong with it, although I am not sure it will sell the sports bras. Some suggested that it would have been better to put the bras on the bodies but I imagine that would have defeated the purpose of showing the wide variety of breast shapes. I imagine it depends on the objective of the ad. What do you think? Misogynists of the Week 
Joyce ba Representative Joyce Beatty tweeted the following. Today, while heading to the House floor for votes, I respectfully asked my colleague, Representative Hal Rogers, to put on a mask while boarding the train. He then poked my back, demanding I get on the train. When I asked him not to touch me, he responded with, kiss my ass. This tweet by Representative Beatty, a black congresswoman, took off this week. It made many of us wonder why this behavior is present in Congress at all. If anyone else behaved this way at work, they would be reprimanded or fired. It was only after the Congressional Black Caucus called a press conference on the matter that Representative Rogers offered the following tweet. This afternoon, I met with Representative Beatty to apologize. My words were not acceptable, and I expressed my regret to her, first and foremost. He does not even acknowledge poking her in the back. Why don't members of Congress have the same employment protections as the rest of the professional world? What I'm reading. Jennifer Sr. has a new piece in The Atlantic entitled, It's Your Friends Who Break Your Heart. In the article, she focuses on the many ways that friendships do and do not work and their importance to us especially in midlife. I'm looking forward to finishing it. I'd love to hear your thoughts if you read it. And finally, in our Just for Fun segment, it's linked in the newsletter, and it's a wonderful scene, uh, YouTube scene, where a busker is out in London singing All I Ask of You when a woman comes up and asks to do a duet with him. And he kind of gives her a little side eye about it. And then he asks her if she has any experience. And it turns out it's Celinde Schoenmaker, who is in the cast of Phantom of the Opera. It's a beautiful duet, so enjoy it. That's it for this week. Let me know your thoughts by sending me an email or dropping a comment on the newsletter comment line. Thanks, and I'll see you next week.